Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you ultimate control. With the XFi app, you can pause the Wi-Fi at the push of a button. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Welcome to the newest episode. So we have a lot going on on today's show. First off, let me introduce myself and my co-host. As you know, I'm Russell Hartman, your host always here, and my co-host is none other than Mr. John Luke Shapiro. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, I'm, I'm alive, thankfully, and uh, <laughs> Rangers are okay, and uh, we've got some interesting stuff to talk about today, man. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a fully loaded pod. Thanks you to John Luke for uh, joining me today. Look, we got Matt Blitner on to talk about his new book, Unforgettable Rangers. Super excited to talk to him. The book is doing really well. He spoke to a lot of people in making this book, and uh, he'll be joining us in just a few minutes here on the pod. Uh, before we start um, before we start getting into the interview, I just want to say that we had a big piece of news drop literally about five minutes ago before we started to record today. <laughs> Matthew Shane is a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, there's a bunch of prospects going to the Ottawa Senators and probably some picks as well. Uh, we're not sure what the final deal is, but as the show goes on, things will trickle through Twitter. I'm sure we'll hear from Dreger, McKenzie, the usual suspects. And after the interview with Matt, we'll talk deadline and we'll talk a little bit about what this means for the New York Rangers. And just as a little preview, it means something good. Right, JL? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the first big domino to fall. And, uh, you know, this for the Rangers, this could mean either something really good or something really bad, depending on the final return that Columbus gets from Ottawa. I honestly, I think, uh, I think this will be good for the Rangers. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And like I said, we're going to get into it at the end of the show. Um, but it's certainly shaming up to be an exciting deadline if Duchesne has already been moved. Uh, and of course, Matt Duchesne's first game as a Blue Jacket will be tonight against none other than the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> so that is going to be a game to watch. Put it on your calendars for tonight. Everyone watch it. This is going to be good. Um, now look at the. I mean, God, we could keep talking about this, but I want to stay on track here. Um, we'll get to it at the end of the show. Uh, Matt is a really cool dude. Uh, we spoke over the past few weeks. I really wanted to come on the show. I'm more than happy to accommodate him to come on and talk about his book. If you guys haven't picked up the book yet, it's called Unforgettable Rangers. Do yourself a favor, pick it up. The book is really cool, really good stuff in there. If you're a Rangers fan, you you honestly don't want to miss it. Um, look, we're all... We all want more Rangers news all the time. We all want more things to do with the Rangers all the time. But I have another another uh, uh, form to read about them. Is, is, you know, I'll take it. And I'd like to welcome our guest this week. He is the author of Unforgettable Rangers, Mr. Matthew Blitner. Matt, welcome to the show. All right. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be of here. Of course. Thanks for coming on. So uh, first uh, thing I want to ask you, um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, how did you become a Ranger fan? Before we get into your book, what drove you to become a Ranger fan? And just give us a little background on yourself. Well, uh, you know, as most people do, especially when they're growing up, you're generally a fan of whatever team your father or your parents or your family root for. And while my family is very divided in baseball and football, hockey is the one sport where everyone agrees that they're Ranger fans. So, there was really no, you know, there was no division. There was no choice in the matter. It was, you were going to be a Ranger fan, and that was that. I went to my first game 
in the spring of 1997 at the age of three and a half. And so I've been going to games ever since. And then I really became a big fan in college, which then began with the rise of the Rangers through Tortorella's era and into the Elaine Vigneault regime. And now I'm lucky enough to cover the team for the last three years for MSG Networks and for the Fischler Report. That's awesome. I mean, you know, so many Ranger fans would want to be in that position to be able to cover the team in the building and be around the guys and just see what goes on, you know, in MSG on a daily basis. So, you know, you wrote for the official report. You got to write for MSG. Um, now, how much work went into getting this book together? Um, what were your planning stages like? Who did you know you wanted to talk to? Who were some guys you just had to get in on this story? Well, once I made the decision that I wanted to keep this to strictly the broadcasters and the writers, because it's been done from the players' point of view before, a lot of people have done books about players' unforgettable games and stuff. They don't call it unforgettable, but they, whatever they do call it, they've always done it from the player's point of view. So when I decided to do it from the broadcaster and the writer's perspective, I knew that, you know, obviously being around the Rangers for three years now in the media, there were certain people that were among You have to speak to Sam Rose. You have to speak to Kenny Albert. You have to speak to Dave Maloney. You have to speak to Joe McLeod and John Gino and so forth down the line. So it was just a matter of really going to the people who I work alongside with that I'm there with anyway and saying to them, listen, this is what I want to do. Are you guys interested in being a part of this? And unanimously, they all pretty much work. And so then it was just from there expanding it to, to flesh out the book with the commentary portion. And it really came together pretty quickly. Now, uh, now, so I've totally forgot to introduce us. I'm Russell, the guy you've been talking to, and Jay, John Luke is my co-host, and he's going to ask you the next two questions here. Hey, so first of all, thanks again for coming on, man. I, I saw your book Thank on you Twitter when you started advertising it. I saw your book, and I'm like, you know, I really need to find my way to get a hold of this because, you know, the one thing that I like to do is I like to read. And if there's other things that I like to do is obsess about the New York Rangers, and I appreciate that you took the time and effort to actually, you know, talk about your stories and talk to different people about the organization. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, I was just curious, you know, you mentioned a couple of names when you were talking about, you know, uh, the time that it took into creating the book. Now, out of all the people that you uh, spoke to, because, you know, there's definitely a plethora of people that you can uh, go for in terms of content. Who were some of your, uh, I guess for you at least, some of the best people that you got a, a story out of? Like, who were your favorite ones to speak to? You know, in terms of getting a good story out of them, who are the ones that were the most entertaining, at least, or the ones that gave you a lot of content? Well, so everyone gave their own unique stories in that everyone has their own vantage point or their own memories of the games that they picked. And to me, each of those are important in their own way. But as a writer, there's always going to be people who you feel mesh more with your style of writing. And I don't particularly like to focus only on the action. I like to find the backstory of things. I like to find the emotion of the players, of the fans, of the officials, of the coaches, of management, of the fellow writers. You know, there's more to it than just the actual action on the ice. So for me, talking to guys like John Giannone and Rick Carpinello and Kenny Albert, they really provided a lot of that similar type of information that I myself like to focus on because that's what they, too, focus on throughout their careers. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, that's definitely a great assessment because, you know, looking at those types of guys, you know, you have the players who are, you know, are on the ice and the people who are in the organization, but a lot of those people you just mentioned seem to have a good perspective on, you know, the day-to-day operations in terms of, you know, being with the network and being, you know, around the team. Another thing I wanted to ask you, seeing as that you've been a fan for so long, like, you know, Russell and myself, you know, uh, give us possibly your favorite Rangers moment that either led to you becoming a bigger fan or a moment that you could point out and say, 
you know, this is something that'll stand out to me, or this is something that I think Ranger fans should really either notice more or notice less. What was your favorite Rangers moment since you became a fan in the late 90s? So I'm going to give you two moments, actually, if that's okay. Um, so first off would be, and I'm going to have to skip a little past the 90s, would be the 2011-2012 season, because growing up, as much as I was a Ranger fan, I'd have to say that baseball was my favorite sport, where hockey was more of a number two. So even though I did follow the Rangers, and look, the Rangers went through some lean years in the early 2000s and stuff, so it's hard to pick anything really you know, memorable from that that would stand out. But during the 2011-12 season, if you recall, the team went on an unexpected run all the way to the Eastern Conference Final. But before they got to the Eastern Conference Final, they had to face off against the Capitals and against the Senators in the playoffs. And I was in my dorm room in college, and I happened to be going through channels, and I was watching the Ranger game. It was game three against Washington, and the game ended up going to triple overtime, and Marion Gabrick ended up having the over triple overtime game winner, which was a fantastic moment, not in and of itself, but also it gave the team momentum to really start building through its playoff run. And then the second moment I'd have to say is in 2013-14, after the Garden was remodeled, I went to a game with my dad. We were sitting in the lower bowl across uh, from the Ranger bench. So we're a few rows back of the penalty box. And this would happen to be the first time that Elaine Vigneault and John Tortorella were facing off have, after having done their coach swap with Vigneault coming to New York and Tortorella going to Vancouver. And as we know, Tortorella had always been, for lack of a better word, a little hard on Chris Kreider for the rookie's development. But Kreider was beginning to flourish under A.V. And this game happened to be Kreider's first career hat trick. And the fans in the garden were just going absolutely insane when Kreider scored the first goal, second goal, and then the third goal. In fact, they were cheering Tortorella more than I think they were actually cheering for Chris Kreider. And it was just a moment to see of just like the fan base really getting behind a new up-and-coming player. Oh, I, I definitely remember that for sure because uh, I, I, w- I was one of those people that really got upset that uh, Kreider was being uh, lauded or uh, not lauded per se, but being, you know, given the, the hard treatment by Tortorella. So that was really nice to see. And fun fact, I almost went to that game. So <laughs> I almost ended up going to that game. So, no, but that's definitely an interesting anecdote and, and uh, definitely puts in perspective a lot of what uh, – you know, us Ranger fans really had to deal with over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, uh, the team's always oh no, had no, a no. way. Yeah, the team's always had a way of having to ooh, find its way through some rough stretches and from a transitional era. And to see Kreider really begin to take on the mantle was a really good thing, not for just the fans, but for the organization itself. You know, the Rangers are kind of going through it right now. They're not this team that we, we knew from the 2013-14 and those kinds of seasons. Uh, you know, we're going through this pseudo-retool rebuild. And, you know, Matt, you've been around the team. You've been around these people that it's their job to cover the team. You've been around the players. You know, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on what direction this team should take, who they should trade, should they get picks? Should they get prospects? Which guys should stay? Which guys should go? That's been the debate for months and months and months, and basically since the letter has come out last year. What is your take, you know, as someone who's really in the know with this club, what is your take on the rebuild so far, and what do you think is the right direction for them moving forward here? Who would you like to see stay, and who would you like to see go? Well, it, that's a double-edged question in a lot of ways. The There's no such thing as the right or wrong way to rebuild a franchise. If you look at teams like Arizona and Edmonton, who perpetually always have a high draft pick, it hasn't quite panned out. I mean, I know Arizona is close to a playoff spot this year, but no guarantees that they make it. And then you look at teams like Chicago, where you think, okay, maybe this is the end of their run, and now all of a sudden they're back 
in the playoff picture, there's no real way to have to say, okay, this is the only way to go about rebuilding a team. So it's a matter of what building blocks you have in the system that you have at the NHL level, the AHL level, overseas. And the Rangers have some good talent down in the minors uh, across multiple different levels. And it's really a matter of having to just find those pieces that work. And I know a lot of people want to say, well, there's science to it. And then there's a lot of people who say that there's more of, you know, guesswork. To be honest, it's really a little bit of both. And you have to see that the team is going to try to do what it feels is best between stocking up on prospects, getting some, hopefully some high draft hits and building around some of its younger core players. So, to answer your question, it's not really one set way to do this, but they are coming along well in the rebuild right now. It's not an easy process to stomach for fans. It's never an easy process to stomach for anybody, but it's something that teams have to go through. Every team goes through it at some point, and hopefully the building blocks will begin to bloom over the next year or two, and then you'll start to see the foundation really take hold for another excellent era in Rangers history. Absolutely. And I was in the building last night when they played the Minnesota Wild. And, you know, a lot of people were showing love for Matt Zuccarello last night. A lot of thank you, Zooks. A lot of whenever he touched the puck, you know, saying the Zook chant. And obviously, you know, it's so deserved for a guy who put his body on the line. A guy who basically, you know, at one point he couldn't even speak because, of the, you know, when he got hit with that shot with Ryan McDonough in the 2015 playoffs, he literally put it all on the line to see the garden crowd, give him respect like that. And what could have been his last game on garden ice was really something special. Um, so obviously a lot of the focus with the Rangers, I like how you said there's no right or wrong way to do this because it's true. Rebuilding a franchise takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of hard decisions here. So we're about a few days out from the deadline. Now the deadline is Monday on the 25th. Um, you know, guys are getting nervous. Guys are, you know, it, they say it's not in the back of their heads, but it could be. I'm sure it is. Um, you know, Matt, as someone who's covered the team, um, what is their mindset? You know, because as bloggers, we can't, we're not with them. We don't really see what they're like, you know, on a day-to-day basis. You know, we can't, we, we can't really get in, pick their brains and things like that. But as someone who has really been around this team, been around people that cover this team on a consistent basis, you know, what do you, in your opinion, what do you think is going through like the mind of like a Matt Zuccarello or Kevin Hayes, things they won't tell the media? What, in your opinion, like, what do you think they're thinking about these last few days? Well, look, every player, everyone forgets, players are human. They're still human beings, and so they're going to have natural human emotions and reactions. Uh, Luke has been very open with the fans, with the media, with everyone saying how much he loves New York. Not a secret, never was a secret. Obviously, he would prefer to stay, but he also understands that it, you know, it's a business. Hockey is first and foremost a business, and they have to, like you said, make tough decisions. Uh, is there still a chance that Duke could still be in a Rangers uniform either after the deadline or uh, in free agency coming back to the team? Yes, there's always a chance. We should never rule out anything until pen and paper meet and he signs his name somewhere else. But, and with Hayes, also, you know, he wants to stay, but he understands it's a business. There's no way for you to avoid that as a human being on the most basic level. And so you have to take into account that, obviously, yeah, these guys become like a family. They travel together. They grow up together, especially if they've been on a team, you know, for five, six years together. They go everywhere together, but it is a business, and they understand that, and it's just a matter of knowing that it's no harsh feelings and hoping that, you know, they can go on to a greener pasture where they can maybe win a cup, or maybe they choose to come back if the – you know, if the agreements and feelings are mutual, it's really something that everyone goes through as a player. And unfortunately that's just the way the game is. Yeah. And I mean, look, 
I would personally love if they could get Zook back on a cheaper deal in the summer or if he would come back for a hometown discount because I love that, man. I love the way he plays. I love everything he's put on the line for this team over the past few years. You can't help but love a player like that. Um, Look, as far back as even just a few months ago, people were saying Kevin Hayes was playing the best hockey of his career. This season has been something super special for him. Now, to kind of shift a little bit, JL, you were in the camp originally of not getting rid of Kevin Hayes, correct? Of course. Now, Matt, from what you've seen from Kevin Hayes this year, if the team does decide to move him, you know, we all expect a really big haul back. But in the vein of kind of Zuccarello, would you like to see Hayes back as well this summer, or do you think his time in New York has ultimately come to an end as well? I think both players have earned their right to choose where they want to go when it comes to July 1st and becoming unrestricted free agents. If they and their agents and the team decide to have a reunion, great. If they decide that they want to seek, you know, riches and a cup elsewhere, that's their personal opinion. That's their choice. And that's something that we have to respect. Uh, Personally, you know, Hayes is an excellent player. Certainly, you know, produces to what he needs to. But, again, it's a matter of whether or not him, his agent, his family, and the team decide that they want to have a reunion. And it's really something that we won't know until July 1st. And there's no way to really try to speculate of which way he's going to go because you never know what can happen between now and then. There's just too much time. Absolutely, because, you know, things could change. The look of the team could change, and ultimately they could decide if they want to bring them back on smaller deals that will help the rebuild moving forward. So, Matt, back to your book for a second. Um, Looking Mm. through the people I interviewed for this book, you did mainly interview the broadcasters and writers, I I noticed, but you also spoke to Adam Graves and Roger Bear. And as two of the players in history who, you know, they walk in a room – they have this air about them like they're like they're the man. What was it like getting to speak to both of them? And I guess in Roger Bear's case, you know, he never he didn't win the big one, but he's so beloved in New York. Um, Adam Graves did, obviously, 94, won the big one here. Absolutely beloved here in New York. Two players who every fan has something nice to say about. You'll never see anyone badmouth either of those guys. What was it like speaking to both of them and like how great were they in the interview process? So I've gotten to know Adam and Rod really well over the last few years. And just to throw in as well, since they are in the book, Stefan uh, and Mike Richter and Jeff Bootaboom, those are the other players that are in the book as well. And I've gotten to know them all very well over the last three years, being around the team. The team always makes sure to have, you know, some alumni bats on most nights. Uh, you can always generally see at least one of them walking around the garden, obviously with the exception of Stefan, who's now playing in Arizona. And they're all just great guys, great people. Uh, and what you see on the ice of them being intense competitors is true, and obviously that's how they became great players. But they're also – that's the reason why they love because they gave it their all on the ice. And then they know how to sort of, I guess, flip that switch – and off the ice, they don't, they understand they're not playing that game anymore, and they just get to be them, and they get to be just, you know, the nice guys that they are, and they're really just a pleasure to talk to, not just about their memories, but literally anything, and they're always willing to chat. Uh, I know after Thanksgiving, I ran into Adam at the garden prior to a game, and he just came over very nicely, you know, asking how my Thanksgiving was, and all that, and it's just they're really great guys, and fans and the media are really lucky to have them all around the team so much. And one of the other guys I really want to ask you about, because, you know, he's the Maven, he's Stan, everyone knows him, you know, he's a great guy. Someone who got to work with him for a number of years, someone who knows him on a level that a lot of people don't. Um, I thought you'd probably want to say some kind words about the Maven, you know? Look, he's been my mentor. You know, everyone has that mentor when they start out in any business or any career field. Um, 
I was lucky that he picked me out of a number of other uh, candidates to come work for him. And uh, I guess, you know, he, he maybe liked the fact that I went to Brooklyn College, which is where he graduated from in 1954. Uh, as much as that is a long time ago, Brooklyn College is still Brooklyn College. And, you know, he showed me the way, showed me how to become a better writer, a better reporter, a better journalist, better at asking questions. He always has a rule, never ask a yes or no question because you're not going to get anything substantial out of it. You've got to be straightforward and ask exactly what it is you're looking for. And more often than not, you're going to get the answers that you seek because players, coaches, other media members, management, whatever, are going to respect that and they are going to give you maybe not the answer that you want, but they're going to give you the answer that they feel is the right answer. And so he was just tremendous to work for. And, look, he's written over 100 books. I don't have the exact tally in front of me. I don't think anyone actually knows the exact tally. Uh, he probably doesn't even remember the exact total because it's just too many to keep track of. But, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know, when, when, you work, when you work for him, you know, stuff like this to be in your future. And so I'm not really surprised that I ended up writing a book. And I was glad to be able to interview him for it, along with everyone else that I spoke to. Absolutely. And I ordered my copy. I'm sure JL has his ordered. I wish I still had Amazon Prime. It would have been here already. But, you know, money being what it is. <laughs> but, uh, Matt, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Is there any last things you want our listeners to know about your book and why this is something they should pick up? Well, look, it's been referred to by a number of other writers as a landmark piece of work, which might be putting it a little strongly, but it's really the first of its kind of delving into the minds and the memories of the broadcasters and the writers, the people that everyone generally, I don't want to say take for granted, but maybe overlooked because everyone's so focused on the players on the ice. And it's really great to really find out the backstories of all these people. So, you know, I encourage the fans to go out there and want to learn as much as they can about the people who are covering the team and get to know them better. And to do so, just go on Amazon.com and type in Unforgettable Rangers, Games and Moments from the Press Box, or type in my name, Matthew Blitner, and, you know, just go out there and, and read, read, read. Matt, thanks so much for joining the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Blitner. Pick up Unforgettable Rangers. You will not regret it. It's an awesome book. Thanks so much, Matt. Have a good day, man. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right. You know, that was JL, fantastic. To, yeah, wasn't it? I was about to say, you know, for someone who has that kind of perspective, he, he's been around Stan Fishley. He's been around all these guys. He's been around the broadcasters, the coaches. I love getting perspective like that from someone, you know? Absolutely. That, that, you see, that, that's a valuable insight that I think a lot of people every so often could definitely take a look at and hear from because, you know, uh, especially this time of year, we're not really familiar with how the inner workings of an organization or what people are thinking of or how things can go forward. So it's good to hear, you know, and it's good to see that, you know, when, when ultimately people pick up his book, to see the thought processes and the things that go, you know, behind a lot of what, you know, we know and what we've seen as Ranger fans. Absolutely. And look, we don't know exactly what's going through the mind of all these guys as the deadline approaches. We just don't. And look, we all have our opinions on who wants to move, who, who should stay, but we have to remember at the end of the day, these guys are human and it's, you know, it's going to be tough on their families, on them when they are moved off to wherever they do get moved off to. Um, look, it's time for some deadline talk. JL, oh boy. start it off, buddy. Matt Duchesne is a Columbus Blue Jacket. The deal, let's get the correct numbers on this deal. Okay, so basically what we have here is Columbus gets a number one center to play with uh, Artemi Panarin, which is ridiculous because they're basically going for it. They're not, I don't think they're going to trade Bob. They're not going to trade Panarin. I think they're going for it. No, not at this so point. You'd be, you'd be, traded, they'd be stupid to trade uh, Panarin if they were to right? – if they just got Duchesne, they'd be dumb, enough, be dumb enough for them to trade Panarin because then who is he going to play with, you know? Exactly. And Columbus did not get rid of a roster player here. The trade via Pierre Lebrun, uh, Vitaly Abramov, 
Uh, Prosper, I believe his name is. Uh, I don't see the last name. I believe it's Jonathan Davidson, but don't kill me if I'm wrong. So the trade is Abramov, Davidson, and a first-round pick for Matthew Shane and another prospect. Um, if Matthew Shane resigns with Columbus, the Ottawa Senators get an additional first-round pick in 2020. Oh wow, that's it. it I think uh, I think Columbus made off pretty well here. I won't lie to you. Usually, when these type of trades, you end up uh, siding with the team that uh, go that gives away the rental. But let's be real here. Matt Duchesne can be had for a decent amount of money, and I think Columbus, if they move some assets right, especially if Panarin doesn't come back. You know, they can find a way to replace Panarin. But, you know, if they get Duchesne and they keep him around, that that's that's great for them. You know, that franchise seems to have a lot of stability lately. And, you know, uh, Kekalainen and Davidson, I mean, they did a really good job with putting that team together in terms of stability and getting, you know, the right pieces for the right, you know, for the right system. And I, I think if they keep Duchesne, I think they're going to be they're, – they're going to be great, honestly. So I think this definitely I, I beats them, them up for now. I could really see them contending for a cup here with Duchesne. Like, they have, they had some good pieces. You already have Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's a fantastic young center. You have Artemi Panarin, who's one of the best wingers in the league. You know, you have Cam Atkinson. You have Nick Foligno. You have Seth Jones. You have Zach Wierenski. You have a goalie in Bobrovsky, who's a lot to prove in the spring. But you know he's a good goaltender. There's a lot of good pieces there. And then you add in Matt Duchesne, who's the number one center in this league. I think Columbus could really go for it. And, you know, if they go for it and they win – Yarmo Kekalainen looks like a hero. Absolutely. But the danger here is losing all three of them for nothing on July 1. Mm. He's banking on the fact that he's going to be able to keep, I would say, at least two of them. I don't know if you could agree with that, though. No, I think that's a fair assessment, to be honest. Uh, it all ends up coming down to what kind of uh, plan Kekalainen has in terms of juggling the money around. You know, because they have a lot of money tied up in Bobrovsky. And, of course, they have a heavy investment in Panarin for the time being. So it all depends. And, uh, and, and you know, you got a couple other players potentially coming off the books, per se. So Or maybe they make a trade that ends up moving a player for salary uh, to another team. You know, they take on 50% of the salary or something like that, and Columbus can free up some cap. So it's it's hard to tell right now because, you know, when a team's in full win mode, you know, you can't really think about what you're going to do in July. I mean, you look at the Blackhawks a couple of years ago when they traded for uh, Vermette, if I'm correct, and they were able to get Patrick Kane back into the playoffs. That was one of the probably few moves, shrewd cap moves that I've seen. So, you know, I don't necessarily think Columbus is really too worried about the money situation or players leaving. I think once they're either eliminated from the playoffs um, – if they make the playoffs, which I'm sure they will, I know they will. And, um, you know, once they're out and done and their season's over, I think that's the time for them to deliberate. And, you know, I think they'll find some way to keep that team competitive, hopefully, at least for their sake, not for the Rangers' sake, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> have to put that out there. You know? put it out there. We don't want the Blue Jackets running the division, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, end of the day, oh, wait, who is this? Do, oh, is boy. This? Oh, who is Sir, who are you? Speak your name. Uh, hello, this is uh, Kevin Krupe. How are you? Oh, oh no. Look who joined <laughs> us for some deadline talk. Forever Blue Shirt staff writer, Mr. Kevin Krupe. What's up, man? How you doing? How's it going, guys? Have you heard the news? I don't know if you talked about it already. Oh, oh, uh, you mean <laughs> the little, yeah, little news about Matthew Shane? Yeah, we've been discussing what it means, and now you jumped in at a perfect time because we're about to discuss what it means for the New York Rangers at this deadline. So, Kevin... What does this mean now that the top center off the market is indeed off the market? Uh, and now, who is the top center on the market, Kevin? Enlighten everyone. Well, a lot of people can argue that it is Kevin Hayes, you know, a fellow Kevin myself. I can really appreciate his game. Um, <laughs> but what this means for the Rangers, because Columbus traded for Matt Duchesne, it, it says two things. One, that Columbus is no longer sellers at the deadline that some people are speculating because of Bobrovsky and Panarin. And two, that it's now a seller's deadline. It's no longer a buyer's deadline. The top center is out of the, out of the game, so now a lot more people will be coming to the Rangers for Kevin Hayes. And Panarin's off the market, so now the value has to keep going up. You took, you, they basically took two pieces off the market in one trade with only one team, which is crazy for Columbus 
You know, personally, I wouldn't have done that if I was them. You know, Tampa Bay and Toronto look deadly this year. I don't know who's getting past them, but they feel that this is the best chance for them because of Bobrovsky and because of Panarin, you know. And Torts is Torts. We're going to see Torts go crazy on them. Don't worry. You're going to see that fourth-line bruiser get traded soon to Columbus just because he loves those guys so much. And as Darren Dreger just tweeted out, uh, TSN Insider Darren Dreger, he says the Blue Jackets are not done loading up. Oh, hot yeah. dog. That's crazy. So, you know, oh, I mean, man. look, you have to give at the end of the day, no matter what happens on July 1, you got to give Yarmo Kekalainen some credit here, man. This dude is straight up like, I'm going to lose some of them. I don't care. We're going out on this giant, giant note, man. And look, if honestly, if Bobrovsky heats up, they could compete for a Stanley Cup. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, can you well, really blame him, though? So. <laughs> Sorry, Jail. Go on. No, you're good. Can you really blame him, though? I mean, look. All right. So uh, I want to transition into the top center of the market because it kind of relates. You know, can you really blame him? And, and this, is, this sets a perfect precedent for, you know, other GMs to maybe overpay the Rangers a little bit in terms of moving Kevin Hayes. Personally, I would like to keep him because I think – with the kind of emergence of Mika Zibanejad, not that the Rangers don't need another elite, you know, young center, but I mean, trusting the, the Rangers drafting and, and their scouting department, I'm sure that maybe they can end up finding someone that can be a top tier talent if they end up keeping Hayes. But if a GM sees that Matt Duchesne is gone and they need someone to bolster their team, because you have to remember there, there were a lot of teams in play, including the New York Islanders. Not that I want Kevin Hayes to go to the Islanders because then that would just be a stab in the heart. But, you know, you would have to think a team now who is trying to either compete with the Blue Jackets or try to get an edge in their division or their conference like the Nashville Predators or the Winnipeg Jets are willing to give a little more. Now, those teams don't necessarily need their first-round picks because they're already loaded. I mean, Nashville already has Johansson and Forsberg as top-tier guys, and and, and Winnipeg has Patrick Laine, for goodness sake, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley. So those first-round picks will be expendable. So if they're looking to try and bolster up and beef up their team, then Kevin Hayes being one of the guys out there who's having a career year, hey, if I'm – the GM of uh, if I'm Kevin Chevaldeoff or if I'm David Poyle, I would give the Rangers a call and I'd say, here, take what you want. Because if these teams are trying to win the cup, especially Nashville, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Nashville's, re- Nashville's really trying to win a cup because they, they've come at the cusp uh, last couple of seasons. They've just fallen short. Same for Winnipeg. So think about it. You know, they're willing to give up a little more of their future for current. And, you know, this is, you know, more of a compliment to Kevin Hayes. He's played very well. He could definitely add to those teams. It's like a second or third line center. You know, that's ridiculous to say that, at least for, in, in the context of the Rangers. So I think the Shane trade really set the precedent on now let's see what the Rangers can use as leverage to get for Hayes and, you know, for Zuccarello. And you know what, even Absolutely. to a lesser extent, Adam McQuaid. Now, look, now if you want to look at it this way, Yarmo Kekalainen took <laughs> two of the biggest trade deadline names off the market in one move. He, now the consensus is Panarin is not going anywhere, and there's no reason for him to go anywhere when you pair him with someone like Duchesne. Now, I'm glad you brought up the Preds and the Jets, because think about it. The arms race between the Predators and the Jets is going to take off now. And in the, in the past few days, there's been rumors floating around that if the Jets got – Panarin, or if the Jets got Duchesne, that the Preds would immediately shift their focus to the other one. These two teams know. They know that once the second round comes in the spring, that they are going to be battling each other, and they're going to want the one up on the other one. There is no Vegas Golden Knights this year. There is no team like that that is going that in their minds is going to interrupt one of their paths to glory. Now, it is going to be so interesting now, with arguably the top center off the market, Panarin arguably taken off the market, all of this, all of this now switches to Mark Stone, Matt Zuccarello, and Kevin Hayes as the three biggest names left on the market available. I'm not buying the Huberto speculation, and I'm not buying the Mike Hoffman speculation because he just got traded in the summer, and I doubt he moves. Um, so that being said, do you guys want Hayes and Zuccarello 
as rather would you rather the Jets pick one or both of them up or the Preds pick one or both of them up? And if you had to split them up, who would you rather go where? Now, this is a big question, so I'm going to give one to one and one to the other. Kevin, you are David Poyle. You're the GM of the National Predators. John Luke, you are GM Kevin Sheveldayoff of the Winnipeg Jets. Kevin, as David Poyle, you need to make a move. You see Matthew Shane is off the market. What are you calling? Are you calling up Jeff Gordon? What do you want? What are you paying for it? So, if I'm the GM of the Predators, I'm thinking a few things. Matt Zuccarello has been highly touted by Calgary. These rumors have gone to last deadline, too, if you remember. That was kind of the little rumblings here and there. It's like, oh, Calgary is interested in Zuccarello. And I honestly see Calgary pushing the hardest for Zook because, you know, Johnny Hockey and Matt Zuccarello, James Neal is kind of hurt for the next few weeks. You want that, you know, that sniper, that playmaker in Zuccarello there to replace James Neal until he gets back. So I'm thinking I'm all in on Hayes. Hayes is a big body. He gets to the net. He gets to the dirty areas. Best year of his career so far. Why not buy high on him now? and really push yourself over the top, especially like, you, like we're saying that the Jets right now are right at, our, right at our neck. They're neck and neck. You know, this is going to be a bruising seven-game series between the two teams. It's going to go back and forth. And then, you know, you want that edge. You want that guy who, you know, slots in second-line center, third-line center, plays the power play, plays the penalty kill. You know, 200-foot center in Kevin Hayes, who, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is, you know, you don't make it, and then he's gone for the next year. That's all. So go for Kevin Hayes. You know, he's a younger guy. He's younger than Matt Zuccarello. He doesn't have the injury history as Matt Zuccarello like we've seen. You know, he's been healthy all year. Why not try to outbid the Winnipeg Jets for Kevin Hayes, knowing that Matt Zuccarello is probably going to go somewhere else? Now, what do you give, Kevin, as David Poyle? What do you trade to the New York Rangers? Yeah, what do you want? You're you're getting arguably the best center left on the market. I know. If it's just between Kevin Hayes, between me and the Winnipeg Jets, I have to give as much as I can. I don't want to say Tovalin, but I do want to say that. But at that point, that's going to be a non-starter at first. But what I just saw Columbus giving up to get Matthew Shane, I know in my heart that I have to give him up, at least him, a first-round pick and maybe a conditional pick, maybe not another first-round pick. But if the Rangers are asking, I would give next year's first-round pick, not this year's. Because that has a lot more value than this year's first-round pick, especially Mm. since there's a lot more teams below the Rangers this year, and the 2020 draft is a lot deeper than this year's 2020 draft draft is loaded, loaded. I know who you want, Russell. Oh, I know who I want, too, but we're not going to get either one of the two not people. Yet. That's, that's, that's off-season plans. That's look, off-season that's plans. Off-season plans. We're not talking draft right now. We're talking deadline because if we talk draft, we're going to go on for hours here. We're going for hours, and we can't do that. Anyway, anyway. Kevin, not even why did you draft, have to poke the draft. bear? Yes. But, I, I love poking uh, the bear. So, he laughs JL, and giggles. I, or uh, not JL. I mean, Kevin Cheveldayoff over there. David Poyle has just acquired <laughs> Kevin Hayes. David Poyle has just acquired Kevin Hayes for Ellie Tolvanen in a 2020 first-round pick. Jeff Gordon's feeling really good about himself. But you look over at Nashville, <laughs> and you see Nashville is loaded up. You see Nashville is loaded up, and you see this, this Kevin Kruby-David Poyle hybrid laughing to himself that he's going to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup now. So what do you do now? With my PK do you, what do you give up on. for Matt Zuccarello if you're the Winnipeg Jets? What are you throwing at Jeff Gordon? Okay, so just – before I, before I, Kevin Sheveldayoff slash JL Hybrid, get into that, I just want to say that I don't necessarily, as regular JL here, I don't necessarily agree that uh, that Kevin Hayes would be a good fit for the Nashville Predators due to the fact that they are so loaded down the middle that they do not need another center. That's why Zuccarello wanna, fits them more. Thing. Remember how he started off his career? He played wing. So that's true. No, that's true. Predators. Just, just but, I mean, he's only there. played center in the NHL, so, I mean, you know, for the most hey, part. Hey, I think I'll take the guy with the hot hand over, you know, someone has been injury-prone all year. But go on. Okay, so anyways, so outside of that, now going back to if Kevin Hayes were to go to um, – if uh, he were to go to um, Nashville. So, I honestly, really, if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I would not give the Rangers a first for Zuccarello, and I'll tell you why. Because – the Winnipeg Jets already are stacked, okay? There are, that team is loaded beyond any real na- rational belief that any 
of, you know, regular New York fan can believe, you know, like when was the last time we ever really had a stacked team like that? 94, you know, with uh, Wheeler and with, um, you know, Line and Shifley and Myers and Morrison and, you know, the list goes on and on. So if I'm Kevin Sheffield day off and I'm looking to Jeff Gordon, I'll say, look, I need another, you know, winger. I need someone who can score. And I would give up a second and potentially a prospect for Zuccarello. Who that prospect is, I don't really know at this point, depending on what Zuccarello does in the next couple of days or before the deadline, if he's playing or whatever, or depending on what value the GMs have of Zuccarello that we don't know. But if uh, I were Kevin Sheveldayoff, uh, uh, <laughs> well, obviously Veselainen, obviously, but, <laughs> but we don't know how high Winnipeg values him and how high the Rangers value him. So that is kind of the gray area that we have here. But either way, if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I'm offering a prospect and a second for Zuccarello. I wouldn't offer a first. It's nothing against Zuccarello. Honestly, I think if, the, if Zuccarello were to get traded for a first, I think that happens with Nashville. Either that happens with Nashville or Zuccarello also nets a second from them, and they bring over a prospect or two to kind of beef it up a little bit. Now, if... I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff again. I would also try to inquire on Adam McQuaid, and I'll tell you why. Because the Winnipeg Jets are a very fast team. They're also a very big team. But one of the things I've noticed outside of Dustin Bufflin is that they're kind of, you know, they could use a little more grit on the lower deep pairs outside of like Tyler Myers and whatever. If you put an Adam McQuaid out there on the Winnipeg Jets to help out protect line A or protect any other D-men in the back end, you know, Adam McQuaid's no fluke here when it comes to the playoffs. The guy's a winner. So you put him there on that stack team, you give up like a fifth or a sixth round. I'd give up a fifth or a sixth for him. Granted, this is probably a fever dream, but still, it's a very real possibility that he could be thrown into some kind of deal along with either a Zuccarello or a Hayes. So if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I would inquire about Adam McQuaid. Not bad. Not bad. I like, I like both approaches here. But whoa, everything just flipped. Now, Kevin does no longer have Kevin Hayes, and Kevin Sheveldayoff no longer has Matt Zuccarello. Now, all of a sudden, Kevin Sheveldayoff slash JL hybrid has acquired Kevin Hayes. And what would you pay for him for the Winnipeg Jets for that kind of player, JL? Uh, Depending on, again, the value of the prospects, if it's for Kevin Hayes, then you give up a first for him. And I'll tell you why again. Because you know why? Again, I'm alluding to the, the Winnipeg Jets being stacked. You know, they have a lot of big wingers and, you know, they could use another center down the middle to kind of really bolster that team, you know. So Kevin Sheveldayoff is really trying to put the Jets over because let's be real, they're, they're primed for a cup run. You know, unfortunately, they, they fell at the hands of, you know, a couple of teams that we're not going to name here, you know. But uh, that team is primed for a cup run. You put a, a center like Hayes on that team, forget it. That could be great for them. So I think you give up a first and, yes, you give up Veselainen for that if they're really trying to make a cup run. There you go. Oh, and look at that. David Poyle, your rival in the arms yeah. race has just acquired Kevin Hayes. What do you do now? Yeah. <sighs> well, knowing that there is no good center left in this kind of trade deadline, at least one that is a game changer like Kevin Hayes could be, you know, I'm going to double down and try to get as many supplement pieces as I could because, you know, we look at we look at Nashville's latest runs for the Stanley Cup, and it just seems like they've run out of steam. They've just been either outshot or just outplayed or just taken by surprise. So now they're going to come into this next year, or at least I'll come into this next year, looking like, okay, I'm going to get supplemental pieces, and I'm not going to try to get rid of my future yet because – Sooner, sooner than later, I'm going to lose a good chunk of my players just to free agency or we won't have enough cap to, you know, sign anybody that we need to. So as many rentals as I want, I don't want to give up as many players. You know, Tobolin was a non-starter last year. That's why the Rangers didn't trade with Nashville. So, you know, is, now that the best, most likely the best center in the, in the trade deadline is gone, am I going to want to give up a lot for Matt Zuccarello? Maybe. 
it just depends on what the other teams have done. And I feel like I'm going to wait till the last possible second, not Monday at 12 o'clock, maybe Sunday at like 3 p.m. I'll eventually start giving up more and more. Maybe a second-round pick in this year or next year's draft, along with some decent prospects. But, you know, Tolan, if I'm giving him up, I'm not giving up a lot more just to get Matt Zuccarello, just because I don't want his injury history. As much as, uh, you know, how, as good as he is, as well as he could perform, it's just it's not going to be as worth it as Kevin Hayes's. I like both of your approaches, both of you uh... – hybrid GMs. I think you both did a great job with that little exercise that I created in my head five minutes ago. So that really worked out. Russell, I have a question um, for you though. Oh yeah. Yes. So I don't know how much stock there is in these rumors as of this morning and yesterday, but Chris Kreider apparently getting picked oh. on by a few teams. If you were the GM of the great Toronto Maple Leafs, knowing oh, so, that next so I'm Kyle year, Dubis? All right. I'll, Kyle I'll, Dubis, yeah, Russell Hartman, beautiful young man. I look like I'm, I'm Harry Potter, the uh, <laughs> hockey executive. I'll take it. Brown, no, no, but we're mixing you together, so you're a brown Harry Potter hockey executive. <laughs> okay. So Russell Dubis, are you trading anything significant? for Chris Kreider under the terms that the Rangers will be taking salary cap for this year and next year? Oh, this is a good one. Well, if How I'm Kyle Dubas, this? all right, I'm going to hit up, I'm going to hit up Jeff Gordon. I'm like, yo, Jeff, he'll be like, yo, Kyle. I'll be like, what up? He'll be like, talk to me in non-millennial terms. I'll be like, all right, cool. So Jeff, get this. And he'll be like, Jeff, get this. He'll be like, what's up? And I'll be like, look, I want Chris Kreider. He'll be like, oh yeah, what are you going to give me? And I'll be like, all right, look, look. We're the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to win the cup because I say so, because I, everything I say is coming true. We're going to keep all four of our people. We're going to keep all four of them. So, look, I want Chris Kreider, to which Jeff Gorton goes, all right, what are you going to give me? To which I'm going to say, you get Timothy Lilligren. You get your choice of one of our other lower defense prospects or and a first-round pick, or you can get Lilligren, a first-round pick, and another first-round pick in 2020. Well, Russell, the problem is they don't have a first. They don't have their first. Oh, I keep forgetting about the Muzzin trade. That's right. So, I guess for for me then... It was so early that everybody forgot. Yeah. For me, what I would definitely ask for if I was... Well, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm offering Lilligren. I'm offering a 2020 first. And I'm offering probably someone like a Jeremy Bracco also, who's one of their better forward prospects. I mean, if you really want to go crazy, you ask for... um, Andreas Janssen, but I don't know if they would get rid of Janssen, Lilia Gren, and a first-round pick, but I would probably, if I was Gordon, I would ask for that, and, I would, and if I was Dubis, honestly, you have enough in your system where you could probably stomach that loss. Interesting, but go on what you were asking before. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Um, one of the things I did want to point out is that one of the Flames' best defensive prospects, Oliver Healington, was not on the morning, not on the ice for morning skate today. And apparently, look into this as much as anybody would like to, David Quinn had a huge conversation with Matt Zuccarello at center ice after practice this morning. So, could Matt Zuccarello be on the move to the Calgary Flames, especially because last night GM Brad Living of the Calgary Flames was at the Garden taking in the Wild and Rangers action. So, would you boys be happy with the return of Oliver Healington in a first-round pick or maybe even a second-round pick for Matt Zuccarello? Jail. Oh, I'm sorry. My phone cut off there for a second. My apologies. Can you repeat the question again? There was a uh, fire yeah, truck worry. coming by. <laughs> I didn't want to burden you guys with it, so I just put my no, ear back. Go okay. ahead. Repeat the question. I'm uh, sorry. Basically, uh, the Flames' best defensive prospect was scratched this morning. He wasn't at their morning skate, and – uh, David Quinn had a big conversation about Zuccarello at center ice after practice this morning uh, with Zuccarello heavily being rumored to Calgary and with GM Brad Living being at the garden last night. Do you think that this is a start of a potential trade happening? I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, if you're, if you're telling, you're pretty much telling a guy that this is probably where he might go. So Quinn probably got, you know, marching orders from Gordon to tell him like, listen, 
like this is probably your last game, which was the game against Minnesota. And then, you know, he'll probably end up getting scratched on Saturday versus New Jersey. So, yeah, I think it seems like it, everything seems to be falling into place there where Zuccarello could be going over to Calgary. Now, my only thing is, is that, you know, uh, it all depends on, you know, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen and the return that they end up getting. So, you know, you, it, I'm sure he probably went over some things and told him, look, we may not play you. We might, you know, and just keep an eye out, try and get everything organized for your life, you know, do your, you know, with you and whatever you need to do. So I think this could be the start of something. It just all depends on when it happens. Exactly. And, you know, before we go, we discussed some deadline stuff. We don't have anything concrete for the Rangers yet, unfortunately, but we will soon. A little bit of lighthearted news. Uh, noted European prospect, uh, Twitter guy, Mr. Alex Nunn, at AJ underscore Ranger, who everybody knows for his Vitaly Kravtsov highlight videos, uh, posted an interesting gift this morning of Kravtsov and Shashirkin at center ice after a, after a game between Tractor and Scott, and they were just kind of chatting it up. What do you think those two are saying to each other right now? Obviously, they're I talking to each like, other in hey, Russian. I'll, I'll see you next year. Yeah, and this is all. <laughs> we need Steve to come here and just translate for us. Um, yeah. I think they're probably just chatting it up. They know they're going to be teammates. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not a no-brainer. Sedjorskin's contract is up at the end of the year. There's a yeah, and Krasov will be here soon, too. And Krasov, yeah. I mean, I would hope he comes. Like, I don't, especially the Rangers, I don't want them to sign a lot of people this offseason. Just, just throwing it out there. I want them to just play the prospects that they have and just meld together. It, it's, this next year is going to be a rebuilding year, whether people like it or not. So you might as well get all the prospects in, split time tank with Igor, if, if he wins the starting job, that is. We don't know how he's going to translate over here, which you know I assume he's going to be good. I hope he's going to be good. But we'll see. So I think they're just chatting up like, hey, I can't wait to see you in, in October, man. Absolutely. So, I mean, look, we could keep going on and on here, but unfortunately it's time for us to wrap up. We will be, if anything major, major breaks, like crazy major, we'll probably be back on the air. I would assume we would do a little show talking about it. And look for us also next week to do a trade deadline recap. And we will also have the draft analyst, Steve Cornianos, joining us once again on the show to discuss whatever prospects this team gets back at the deadline. So, guys, thanks for joining me. JL, thanks for joining me for the whole show. And thanks for Kevin Krupe for joining us at the end there, making his appearance known out of nowhere. (laughs) So, guys, we have three days to go until the deadline. Let's see how crazy things get. And let's hope we get some solid returns for these players that have given their all for the New York Rangers. And one last time, I'd really like to say thank you to Kevin Hayes and Matt Zuccarello for their service on this team. Absolutely. No doubt. Have, yeah. And guys, remember, check the Twitter check marks. Don't get tricked by fake accounts. Have a good weekend. It's going to yeah, get crazy. <laughs> and let's hope they make some good decisions leading up to the deadline. As always, let's go Rangers.
Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Hey everyone, this is Sharon Waxman. I'm the founder and the editor-in-chief of The Wrap, the premier news source for daily coverage of the entertainment industry. I'm also your host of this new podcast, The Wrap Up, a show that gives you an insider's look at the top stories in Hollywood. Each week, we'll bring you the latest news on the business of movies, TV, streaming, and tech. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you each week on The Wrap Up. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM, with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day.